Welcome today. As my dad David shares from his heart, this short biblically-based devotional. David is a speaker, author, former pastor, songwriter, and founding director of Youth with the Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, and I know his message will be encouraging to you. Early in life, I came to the conclusion that darkness isn't all that good, and that light is good. As a young boy, after my mom would put me to bed at night and pray over me, I would watch to make sure that she would leave my bedroom door slightly cracked open so I could see the faint glow of the nightlight coming in from the hallway. You can ask Kathy, even to this day, "Mm, I don't care much for a completely dark room. It's been well established that much of the fear we carry as adults more than often originates in our childhood. I'm pretty sure I was four years old at the time. It would have been in 1952 when these particular moments took place. These would become some of my earliest memories. You know, the kind of memories that when you close your eyes, you can see them as clearly as if it were yesterday. It must have been a summer afternoon because I remember sitting on the top step of our front porch and really squinting because of the bright sunlight. I'm pretty sure I was wearing, because I remember always wearing, a simple little boy t-shirt, an old pair of Levi jeans, and a pair of well-worn black high ankle sneakers with faded white shoelaces, which mom had just tied for me. It was basically the leave it to beaver look. And for those of you who don't know what that means, as my grandchildren would say, Google it. While sitting there in the bright sunlight, I must have come up with a new thought. Like, maybe my mom won't mind, just this one time, if I leave the safety of our front porch and our front yard and go on an adventure. You know, sort of like Crusader Rabbit would have done on a bright sunny day. Again, Google it. So I did go on an adventure. I went on a walk, a long walk, or so it seemed for a four-year-old. Anyway, after some time, I remember coming across a large and dusty field, and I noticed there were two much older boys standing out in the field. And I guess I might have thought that they might want to be part of my adventure too. So I ran out into the field to say what a four-year-old boy might say. Like, what are you guys doing? And that's when I realized that they each had shovels, and they had dug themselves a fairly good-sized rectangular-shaped hole in the ground. I imagine now it may have been three feet wide, maybe six feet long, maybe three feet deep. You know, now that I think about it, it was sort of grave-like. I remember that it was partially covered by a large piece of plywood. And then one of the boys must have said something like, Hey kid, do you want to see what it's like to be in our dirt fort? 
And then I must have said something like, Gee whiz, can I? I can't remember how it happened, but within no time, I was on my knees down in the bottom of the hole when the two boys above me suddenly pulled the large piece of plywood over the entire hole, over the top of me, completely covering me in pitch black darkness. There was no light, and the darkness was heavy. I could feel it. Thick dust was consuming the air. I could hardly breathe, and I couldn't see. I could not see. I immediately broke into tears, sobbing, and yelling for the boys to please help me. Instead of helping me, I could hear them running away, laughing, and I was left there alone, in the darkness. And for the first time in my short little life, I was absolutely terrified. I remember desperately reaching for the plywood ceiling and trying to move it. I panicked even more because it was so heavy. I could barely make it move at all. I'm sure it was only a few moments, but it seemed like forever before I was somehow able to lift and move it a couple inches, just enough to see the light again. Then, using every ounce of my four-year-old strength, I somehow managed to move the plywood some more, just enough this time to create a gap, a gap large enough that I could finally claw my way up and out of the dark pit. When I got onto my feet, I remember standing there with my hands on my knees, coughing and gasping for clean air. I had never felt exhausted before, but with all the energy I had left, I hurriedly stumbled back across the uneven, dusty field toward the sidewalk, all covered with dirt and sweat, and my eyes full of muddy tears. I continued stumbling and crying all the rest of the way home. As I rounded the corner of our neighborhood block, I could see my mom hurriedly jogging toward me. I was never so happy to see her. I moved faster now to get to her, but when I got to her, she wasn't so happy. She quickly bent over, and I think her words went something like, David, David, where have you been? Where have you been? Oddly enough, to me anyway, she didn't show much sympathy. I recall my feelings in those moments so clearly. Still crying, I replied with something like this, but mom, those mean boys, they, they, when she suddenly interrupted me with something like this, no, you, you, you left home, David, you left the yard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I became a parent many years later that I finally understood her frame of mind on that bright summer day. Because there's darkness out there, and it's not all that good. I'm sure I was headed for the bathtub next, which was probably the best bath ever. And I think it might have been later that night, just after Mom prayed over me, when I first asked her to please leave my bedroom door open a little. And the light was good. The very first verse of the Bible talks about darkness 
And the second verse of the Bible records that the very first thing God created on earth, the very first thing, was light. I know you remember it. It reads like this in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. The very first words we hear God speak are these words, Let there be light. And he understood that light was good. Light, in fact, was so important, so necessary, that it was the very first thing he thought to bring into existence. Because light is that natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. It's the brightness that lets you see things, like the light of the sun. It makes things visible, and as a result, those things become more readily meaningful. And darkness is the absence of light. And in a state of darkness, things aren't visible. And as a result, those things become less meaningful. Or worse, those things can become extremely questionable or even terrifying, like it was for a certain four-year-old boy. Did you ever think about this? The ninth plague, the second to the last plague that God brought upon the Egyptians, which was worse than each of the first eight plagues, was darkness. Thick and oppressive darkness. Only the tenth plague, the deaths of the firstborn Egyptian sons, would be more terrifying than the darkness. Listen to Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So, Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. And listen to the last line of verse 23. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. What was that? Or rather, why was that? The Israelites had the light because they were God's people. While their Egyptian oppressors had darkness and terror that could be felt, God's children had the light. They had the brightness, the visibility, and the meaningfulness. As a result, they had peace that their oppressors did not have. Dear friend, in summary today, I believe I'm supposed to put an emphasis on a very important biblical truth, the understanding of which and the walking out of which may prove to be even more essential than ever in the days ahead. I believe our Father wants us to truly see ourselves as children, His children, living in the light. As 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 5 says, You are all the children of the day, the light. You are not of the night or of darkness. We clearly have experienced a lot of darkness in recent times. There is oppressive darkness all over the world, and it could get darker. 
But our Heavenly Father has a different plan for us, like the Israelites who lived in the light during a time of great plagues. He wants us to live in the light and be the light. He wants us to experience His hope and peace, and He wants us to be agents of hope and peace. Jesus, who called Himself the light of the world, also said in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father would have it that all people be saved. Isaiah 49, 6 reads, He says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. In closing, dear friend, I want to encourage you with one last passage from Isaiah. It's chapter 60, verse 1 through 4. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings will come to the brightness of your dawn. Dear friend, arise and shine. Your light has come, and His glory appears over you. Find your hope and peace in the light. Live on in the light. And keep being the light. Dear Jesus, you are in fact the true light of the world. As your loving disciple John once said, you were a burning and shining light, and you still are the burning and shining light. Dear Father, you are called the Father of lights. Thank you for your very first gift and continuing gift of light. And Father, I pray that you shine your light on this one and through this one in a brighter way than ever before. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.